What's up, world? I go by the name of Jabari. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And this is the Words with Friends podcast. Right now, I'm in the home of Dennis Dortch. He is a filmmaker, uh, the co-founder and head of Black and Sexy TV. Uh, And Dennis, before I even try to butcher your title, explain to the people what you do. Uh, We do everything. So definitely an independent filmmaker. Um, We create our own content, distribute, market. So, and pretty much we're the puppeteer of everything. So that's what I do in my title. Corporate-wise, is chief creative content officer or something like that. Something fancy. (laughs) But um, I just basically go by founder, you know. So that's pretty much it. Nice. Um, For those that don't know, Black and Sexy... Uh, is what, what would you like to call it as a whole? I mean, you know, a lot of people are familiar with the YouTube channel and the content that you guys create, the various web shows, but what is Black and Sexy to you, big picture? Um, it's definitely a brand and lifestyle. So I think for the most part, Black and Sexy TV on the micro level is a network. On the bigger level, it's, it's, it's like a brand. It's no different than Tyler Perry. It's no different than Kraft. You know what I mean? It's like, how can we create different uh, revenue streams and different pockets of culture at the same idea of being black and having a modern sort of view of ourselves? Mm. So, I think that's it in a nutshell. What, uh, where did you get the name from? Uh, you know what? I had a film in Slamdance called Honey. And they said, oh, you know, you got to put something in your little bio. So, we put in the catalog of what your next project is. So, I was just like... It was a half joke. It was called A Good Day to Be Black and Sexy. I just came up with it. It sounded like it rolls off your tongue and it's being defiant and just kind of, you know, raising a black fist. And, and to me, it was like a name for updating black is beautiful without oh, being yeah. so dignified about it. You know what I mean? And so then I made the title. People laughed. That was funny. I said, well, maybe I should make a movie. Once I made the movie, then it was like, all right, this is a brand that I want to continue. So... Black and Sexy TV was derived out of that, and that made sense, so we can keep that audience building from that film. Okay. Now, people can watch that on Netflix, because that's where I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, and A Good Day to Be Black and Sexy is just a collection of these short films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what was the goal with that? Like, what, what were you trying to put? What was the theme, I guess, of all of these shorts? Um... I try not to say that I was trying to do anything, but thematically, I just wanted to show us as real people mm-hmm. who have real lives and Numa Pissabest is simple moments, you know? Uh, yeah. So thematically, it was, you know, black love and sexuality, but I think on a much deeper level, it was just by, it, my, my expression was just be like, we're just regular people. We're not like Cosby and super positive. We're not ratchet and reality shows. We're just people. Yeah. What, what... Why do you have the desire to sort of show those real stories of black people? Is it some? Is it these are the things that you experienced growing up, or is it uh, more so come from a lack of seeing it in mainstream media, or is it a mixture of both? Um, it's probably by default a mixture of both, but we we're not really looking at it as a reaction to lack of something we haven't seen. If we saw it and it was really available then we probably wouldn't create it as much or be that strong about it. It'd be like, well, let's try something else that's fresh. Mm-hmm. But I think what's natural to us is just those those feelings and expression of people that are our own experiences and people that feel just like us. And, and we don't really know until you put it out there. Other people go, oh, yeah, it's just like me. Then you just do more. So really it was about just not necessarily reacting to what's not there. It was just doing what's, naturally, what's natural to us or what our sensibilities are. Okay. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of times people go, oh, you know, I want to make a horror film, but I'm not going to make a horror film unless that's something that's really in me. I'm not going to make the best horror film unless I just really got that real sensibility and interest for it. Yeah. I'm going to do what comes natural to me. And it's the same thing as an actor or a writer. I don't want them to try to do something. It's not like I want anybody to be challenged. But people have, people all around it has talents. And you should work those talents to your benefit to survive, make money, and to be happy in that expression of it. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, man, that's a big, a big thing I talk about on this podcast is you know uh, creating systems that help people find their talents, and you know so they can put energy to those talents, develop those talents, and then ultimately live off of those talents. Because I don't think you're supposed to be living 
off of doing something that you don't like. You're supposed to be living and feeding yourself and, you know, providing for your family. Yeah, and doing the best things. of you, right? Yeah, that's exactly. what it is. I mean, it doesn't have to be socialism, but I mean, that's, yeah. that's the idea. It's like, why not contribute what's the best of you? You would enjoy it, number one, and you'll be the best at it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know absolutely. Was, so was there, for you, was there uh, this sort of goal to want to always be a filmmaker since you were a kid? No, no, I thought I was going to be a music producer and an artist, a okay. recording artist, because music was everything. But I think when you're creative in anything, it, it, it crosses over and travels to different you know, pockets of being creative. Because I think for me, I really thought I was going to produce music, and that's why music is such a strong part of, of what we do. Yeah. I'm just taking that same sensibility and that same desire. I just don't have the skill set. I've never yeah, developed yeah, it. Yeah. But I got sidetracked by film. I always wrote stories. And I always thought about things, and but I, I never thought that it was about being a filmmaker because I never had that exposure. Mm. And I didn't watch a lot of movies as kids, and I didn't, I just, I didn't have any influences around me that said, oh, this is something you can do, mm. and you should think about doing. But when I got a taste of it in college, okay. then I was like, oh, shit, it's, it's all about rhythm. It's, not, it's no different in music. It's really about rhythm. And then when you hit music to images, it's very powerful. Yeah, you know I mean? absolutely. Because I think we, for that particular, um, A Good Day Black is Sexy, under the underground soundtrack we had, but we sold a lot of copies. Mm. If we would have put it out, just I, I thought I was going to be like, you know, own an independent record label and produce artists and cultivate artists. But if I would have done that same album, put it out, it would have had the same success. I don't think so. But we put it with the movie suddenly people have experienced it, they related to those experiences of watching the movie and they want the soundtrack yeah. to relive that yeah. and put it part of their lives. And I was like, okay, there's something there to that. And let me just go over here. It's a lot more glamorous in film. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And and you can reach a lot more. I mean, actually, music is very powerful. I just, I guess it was destined to happen. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think I did, that's the only way I can say it. So. What, uh... What was your training like? You know, did you go to film school or yeah. did you? Okay. Well, I went to Leila Mermont in LA, and it was a recording arts major. Okay. That's what I was initially. I was going to study engineering and figure out recording, but there was a prerequisite like you would share some classes as a freshman or or a sophomore, and one of them was like intro to film. Mm -hmm. So this one it gets you familiar with that. So maybe you can make music for film or whatever, whatever. But once I took an intro to film, we were shooting on Super Eight. I was like, man, this is powerful. This is crazy. So I just changed my major. Oh, okay. So if they didn't have a film program, I would never know. Right. You know what I mean? So. And what was it like, I guess, creating that first film? Because this film is, did you know anything about distribution? Where it was going to go? How are you going to make money off of it? Mm -hmm. No. No. I mean, I think, I mean, you can answer the same question for yourself. When you start doing something, if you do it from a, from a, a source of, Am I gonna make money and distribution? It's diff it's difficult to get into that creative yeah, space. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. can't really. Yeah. You just have to make something first and worry about that stuff later. Yeah. It doesn't mean that people don't do it, but it does feel like a product when you do do it. Yeah. You yeah. want to have an expression. You want to be like it's coming from a creative place, it's a creative spirit, creative expression, and you sort of want to just let that stuff go and just make something that's burning within you to do it. Yeah. So I just I didn't have I had some money I took out of my house. I have and my house is actually two blocks away when I was married another part of my life you know yeah, what I'm saying yeah. and we took that money and we put it into this film and my my partner Brian Ali Harley I met him at Loyola Marymount he was a film major and we after college we were married and had kids and just moving on with our lives we seemed we wanted to do something different mm. and so we took that money um, and said let's just make it was like $60,000 $65,000 let's take this just make a film based on the means that we have. And so it took us a year to shoot this film. We shot each vignette every few months. But as time went on, I didn't know, I, didn't, I knew a little bit about film festivals because um, Tony Bowie is this guy from, I don't know what year this was, 2000, whatever, 1999, I don't know what it was. He went to Sundance and was the big hoopla out of my school. So that was my first exposure to like, oh, this is what people are doing. Yeah. And he told me, he said, dude, let's make a film. People are out there. Because he saw my short film. He said, people are out there. People will love your sensibility. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know. So I just thought, okay, whatever. I'll just make the film. And then I got into Sundance with it. And it was like amazing to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I was like, I already have a relationship with Slam Dance. I thought I was going to get into Slam Dance, but I actually got into Sundance. So then I was like, oh, okay, then you're supposed to get 
sales agent and you're supposed to get a publicist. Because I was like, that's what you're supposed to do. I was like, all right. So I did those things and the sales agent was able to sell with the Magnolia. And so that was, you know, I knew I was going to get distribution because I knew I had something once I saw the film, but I didn't know how it was going to be. And we actually broke even at some point. Yeah. You know what I mean? We got in the black, but it, based on your accounting, of course, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, I didn't know the business up front. Now, while I was making the film, no, but I learned along the way. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I always think that that's yeah something that you leave up to other people because you know other people are going to ask you how are you going to make money from this or how are you going to you know whatever you need a you need a job and you should think about you know the stability of this and how there is none and all this stuff so yeah it's it's not really a wise thing to do to worry yourself about about that type of thing but I also think that on the flip side of that. Uh, a lot of people sometimes, I was just talking to a friend of mine about this, um, you shouldn't necessarily just jump all the way out the window in terms of following whatever it is you want to do without some sort of financial means or a plan or, you know what I mean, having something. So I don't know, I guess, how, how did you juggle that at the time? Was it, was it just all bets are off, I'm betting on myself, or was it like, you know, you had some type of stability where you could afford to do that. Because at this time, you said you had kids and stuff. Yeah, I could afford it in the sense of it was borrowed money out of my house. So it wasn't uh-huh. like, you know, and it also had a job, a piece of a job. And I had a partner. I was married, a wife. Okay. So those two things combined to make that movie didn't make it like I was really sticking my neck out. But $65,000 is on our house. I mean, yeah. Still money. But I think you have to bet on yourself. I mean, because I think a lot of times, if you don't bet on yourself and you feel doubts, maybe you shouldn't do it because other people feel doubts too. You know what I mean? But if you feel something so strong, I I don't think there's no right answer, man. I seriously believe some people are more pragmatic. Some people are dreamers. Mm -hmm. Other people are in between. You know what I'm saying? That's it. I'm probably in between where I was a dreamer, but I was like, I don't know, can I do this? And some people were like, man, I would bet and I would take a chance every single time myself and it may fail many times so i think it's about your talent your sensibility how you approach things is how you should figure out how you should take chances because i think you know some people just want to go okay there's a market for this this is how i'm going to do it there's nothing wrong with that but if you're not that type of person you shouldn't try to do that Mm -hmm. that's what i'm trying to say if you're just like the person who's just like i just got to make something and hope for the best you should do it yeah. If you're doing it 10 times and nothing really happening, and you're losing money, maybe you want to reconsider. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I, there is no right answer. I just know for me, I, I, I'm pretty selfish, man. I don't really bet on myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? And if you can't be selfish about your own desires, man, or some people are just followers, quite mm-hmm. honestly, or help other people. Yeah. Like I want to find someone and want to partner with them. And that's, that's okay, too. Other people are like, no, it's about me. And that's it. I mean, so you just should do what works for you. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, man. I think, I think I'm in the, in, the, in the middle as well. But more, way more on the just dreaming and just going all the way for it. Because uh, I think sometimes you have to... It's, it's, it's kind of like when you're a creator, you have to be a little bit crazy to think that you know, your idea is yeah. just going to break yeah. through the mold and yeah. make it and, you know... That anybody cares. Yeah, that anybody... <laughs> exactly, you know. You gotta be pretty, you gotta be pretty, you know, what do you call it? Um, what's the term? You just have to be uppity. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, someone yeah. cares yeah. about what you're gonna do. Yeah, so, yeah. And people do care. It's just how many. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's exactly. all it is. And if you continue at it long enough and it gets better and it gets better. It's, you know, that audience that you had that was small is going to, it's inevitably going to grow, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. Um, what, okay, so I guess what, what, what is in, in terms of after this film comes out and everything, what, what made you start to get to the YouTube sort of space? Because that's, that's how I met you and Numa and, you know, just being a part of this, this, this creative content community, mm-hmm. people that are coming up making stuff digitally. Um, what made you say, okay, here is this opportunity on YouTube and want to, you know, because it's, it's just totally different from creating feature films. Not necessarily totally different, yeah. but, uh, it's a different, different, different process. Yeah, exactly. Is that the process? Is a yeah. 
it, this was definitely reactionary at that point. Okay. I was, I think when you get distributed, one thing I try to tell everybody is just, that's one thing we should be thinking about as independent filmmakers. Mm-hmm. When you distribute it or a show gets picked up by a network, just think about how those people make their money. They're not going to do anything different for you. Like whatever their pipeline, their system is, their sensibilities, what they've done in the past, is they're going to push it on repeat and do the same thing. They're not yeah. here to just like, how can we roll up our sleeves and do something different? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, for your film, so special. So I experienced that where in my head, I heard and saw and filtered things that I got from them and myself that my film was so special and they're going to do this and that. And when it didn't really happen that way, I was upset. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, yeah. if only I would have distributed my own film, yeah. then it would have been like, I would have done this, this, and that, even if I didn't have those particular resources. So in hindsight, it was like silly, but I was not in a very good place. So I said, well, you know what? I'm going to start doing going direct to audience and doing content on my own. But we didn't go straight to YouTube. We actually mm-hmm. had a technology partner at the time. We created a site. We were creating our own destination. So I knew the movie was going to DVD. I didn't get the theatrical that I really thought I deserved. And I said, man, the film plays so well in front of an audience. It's unfortunate, but that really wasn't their intentions. They only let me do it a little bit. So I said, all right, the DVD's coming out. I know this is a brand. Um, I have certain rights that I kept to myself. Let's go ahead and create content that supported a DVD release. Let's just try it out. So I started doing vignettes or stories that were based on the vignettes from the film that happened after the film, just to support the film. And we never really released it. We never really launched the site because doing your own site is problematic. Technically, we had like programmers in the Philippines. So when they're working on it, it's three in the morning. I'm up. You know what I mean? It was just, I spent more time trying to get this, our proprietary player to work and the site to be correct than I did on content. But in the meantime, we were shooting, 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 shooting a lot of content, including the couple. We shot the couple like a couple of years before he even appeared. Wow. The, all the, all the mini shows we shot previously and then by the time we got to the episodes that was the new stuff so we used those as promotional content but anyways it was it was really it was Issa and Aqua Black Girl that made me go oh there's something on YouTube because I, I myself I wasn't hip to YouTube I wasn't in that culture and I thought it was just trash you know just <laughs> a bunch of stuff on there cat videos what everybody's perception of what was happening yeah. so once Aqua Black Girl was the first real black at least I think it was black thing that broke out into you know some type of mainstream online Mm -hmm. and I discovered it on Facebook like episode two one and two and I was like oh what's what is this and then once I connected with Issa I was like this is what's going on on YouTube and then because I had put that that venture aside it was blackandsexy.tv on a website and we just never really launched it you know Mm -hmm. it was there but we never really really got into it and I had other opportunities I was doing and I said, oh, let me do that. But once I saw what she was doing, I was like, man, we got all this content on these hard drives that we've never released, including the number. You know what I mean? The number was a skit. There was a bunch of skits that we never released. There was the many souls of the couple. And I was like, you know, we got content. Let's just put it on YouTube and see yeah. what happens. And I see what she's doing. Okay. And I see, oh, I see what other people are doing. Okay. All right. So... By the time I met her, about six months later, we decided to put stuff on YouTube because we were just exposed to it. Wow, okay. And I guess what what started happening after that, did, what, what, what was the response and, you know, I guess YouTube is now such a big part of what you guys do. Mm-hmm. What made you say, oh man, this is serious, we should really <laughs> continue this? You know what, you, you experience it, I'm sure yourself, when someone gives you a pat on the back, a like and some comments yeah. and some views, <laughs> it's addictive. Yeah. I, that's the bottom line, man. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. Why would you stop? Someone's going, hey, give us more. You're like, all right. You know, and that was our payment. So we knew we wanted to create... Numa's idea was he said, we need to do more narratives. We need to be narrative. That's how you retain and build an audience. Mm -hmm. And I knew I just wanted to grow and make a network. So once we put out two things, we were a network. And we just said, wow, this is the possibilities. And then I think it was we did our Valentine's Day launch of the couple or the couple coupled with the number. And... And then I noticed numbers and I started realizing like we couldn't just do the sporadic drops. Like we were doing maybe once or twice a month. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, you know, YouTube, conventional wisdom on YouTube says you got to do a consistent schedule. And that made me say, all right, if you really want to build an audience, let's, let's, let's drop something every Sunday. So the reason why we did that 
and stayed on YouTube because it was already working. And at the time, my film was on Netflix Instant Watch, which it is still, mm -hmm. and on Showtime. And I was able to, what I would do is, I would have a redirect of my website go directly to YouTube. So I knew people were Googling mm -hmm. when they watched the movie on Showtime, they were just Googling, and they, oh, here's the website, and I would just push them right to YouTube. Like, yeah. forget the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the movie's yeah. done, yeah. I don't care. This is the new stuff, and that's how we really built our audience and continue going. So in my mind, I said, this is a free partner, YouTube. Technology, technology partner was taking 50% of the YouTube doesn't yeah. but you know it just it was just like it is what it is and so I said you got to continue going doing this because it's already working and you know that's it you know what I'm saying yeah yeah what uh what was I mean now it's 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 funny because you said the 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 initial goal uh of black and sexy is to just show people show black people in these experiences and these real life situations. And that's the same thing that's being done right now through YouTube. Uh, is that, what, what, what were some of those comments or reactions from people? Was it like in line with what the goal was? It was. A lot of people feel like they related or someone that they knew or it was just, it just felt fresh. So mm -hmm. I don't think I was so conscious of is this really hitting our goal. Mm -hmm. I think you know you're hitting your goal if you do something you want to do and then people like it. It is. It worked. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, I don't know if it's so conscious, but I think uh, for the most part, yeah, I mean, now we get more elaborate responses or write-ups or whatever about the kind of content we do. So, I think ultimately that must be what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. And it must have resonated in some in some form or fashion. So, I don't know if that answered your question. But yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I, I wanted to essentially get to, do you think that people are just now really catching on to what black and sexy is doing and it's like I, basically it's, it, it kind of feels like you do one thing for yeah, yeah. so long you yeah. know what i mean you've been doing the same thing for so long and then like eventually 10 years down the road it's like oh now people are starting to pay more attention or pay the attention that i deserve uh to be paid but i guess it's kind of a natural thing of you probably didn't deserve all those write-ups or all the recognition in the early stages because you're building it yeah, I mean, everybody's time to pop comes at different times. Yeah. I know there was a time where I was personally frustrated, be like, oh man, we're doing all this great work and these are where our views are at or we're not getting the press. Mm -hmm. And that could be almost like just even a year ago. Mm -hmm. Now we're like two and a quarter years in and on being on YouTube at least and all those things we were, or me personally, I was speaking for myself, was we're like, oh, I want all these things are happening now. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't our time early on. It is now. But we, we, we sort of view ourselves as like that, that sort of folktale, the tortoise and the hare. Mm -hmm. We're very slow, we're, but we're steady. And yeah. when we build, we build very strong and everything's coming with us. And then we retain, no matter how small the audience is, they're, they're, they're engaged yeah. and they're there. And then you keep taking them to the next one. You keep, and keep leveraging our shows and building on more shows. And so ultimately, however it, it turned out, it makes sense to me in hindsight. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's like it wasn't time for us to pop a year ago, even though we had our fans. I think our ultimate goal was for longevity. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think longevity does take time to really build and, and let people know you're here to stay. Oh, you're still here? You're still doing stuff on Sundays? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know. And, yeah. and it, my, my confirmation was, is once we started meeting with more industry people in the last six months, mm -hmm. especially black folks in this industry, in this town, all watch Black and Sexy secretly. We just didn't mm -hmm. know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's it. It's like once you just start doing it and doing it and keep doing it, then people go, what? What's going on over here? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like, and they're doing it on themselves. And they, now those same people say, man, you guys have figured it out. Everybody's trying to figure out how to do this and make money. That's the next step. And, and break in and get the recognition. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that wasn't necessarily our goal, but it was ultimately, yeah. yeah. And I think that's, it made sense for us. I don't even remember the question. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, it's, it's great because I want to start talking about the shows that Black oh, and Sexy okay. produces okay. And, and all the things. I mean, I'm, as you know, a, a huge fan. I watch every show that you guys put Oh, you've out. been supporting us monetarily. Too. <laughs> I keep seeing your name pop up. I was like, whoa. Uh, there? Um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still here, man. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm, I'm very excited about what's to come. But I mean, uh, my favorite show, just, just so you know, is is uh, that guy. Okay. I think that guy 
is the most relatable to me. Um, and I really love, uh, I think Judah, the character Judah is extremely funny. Um, I, I, I don't know, this, the scenarios that go on in that show are just so true to life to me. And I, and I think that a lot of people can relate to being in this situation of having a whole bunch of friends, mm-hmm. but it's like your friends are in your business mm-hmm. and it's like, it, there's all these weird connections and mm-hmm. it's because you guys hang out together and you know, it's like the one degree of separation of relationships and all this, I just think it's really well done. And, uh, and, it, and some of the one liners that come in that show are just incredible, man. The writing is incredible. So what, what is the process behind, I guess, making these shows and, uh, you know, there's so many things that you guys do strategically, like putting other people from another show within the show. I, yeah, what, what, what is the process? Take me through the process of uh, writing these shows and, and how they come up from inception to, you know, production. Well, I'll just start with that guy. That guy is purely the creation of Janine Daniels, who's okay. Dion. So we've helped develop it, myself and Numa initially, but that's kind of her thing. And it's completely improvised. So a lot of the one-liners that you hear are not written. Wow. You know what I'm saying? That just comes off the strength of the actors. So early, I would say, the best way I could say is just show by show, the number and the couple were both improvised too. We, we, we were very much about taking chances. The only thing we write is like the basic storyline or the okay. basic what is happening in this scene. And I'll take it back. The very first episode I wrote, but it was just... Here's a couple lines, and then they took it and ran with it. Wow. Those two actors. And then, you know, a couple years later, we shot the rest. You could tell they're different. Yeah. The couple was the same. So our process is really just saying, hey, we're workshopping these scenes, workshopping with the actors. They're collaborating with us. And we're, we're going in not knowing exactly what we're going to come out with. And so that's why we're able to just shoot, shoot, shoot. It's harder to edit afterwards because you don't really have a real script. So especially that guy is very difficult to edit because you're 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 developing it as you go and then you have to make something out of it that wasn't originally intended. Mm-hmm. So you have to be loose enough and confident enough to be okay with that. And I think that's the main ingredient of black and sexy. When we got to Remy Love of Friends, that was the first real scripted one we started doing. And well we still let it loose. Like it's thirty percent improvised. Okay. You know, we don't like I would do it was the same thing with my film. Part of my film was scripted, and after a while, I threw away the script and said, let's start improvising. So it started way back then when we just started taking chances, because I felt like we can come up with something better together than I could just me sitting down trying to write on my own. Mm. And I'm not that precious with my words. I actually just want the best thing on the screen. Yeah. So as far as like leveraging, like, okay, this, this, a lot of our success is leveraging every success to another. So if we have... Um, a show Remy Lover Friends is successful you're going to know about all the rest of our shows if you found us through Remy Lover Friends you're going to know about that guy you're going to know about the couple you're going to know about all that stuff and vice versa and how is that done is that is that mm-hmm. these you know like the, the sort of bumpers and trailers at the end of the videos uh, putting the actors in or it's that, both it's a okay. combination of everything like what I've learned is the first 15, 30 minutes 30 seconds is most people's attention mm-hmm. you wait to the end you, they may already clicked off so you, that's why we have these long intros now. It's like, you're going to hear everything we have to say when you get to <laughs> yeah, this free yeah. content. I'm yeah. sorry. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't even care. People are more tolerant than they were a year ago. Before, we couldn't even... I remember Issa even saying, oh, I don't want to pay the commercials on. It's kind of weird. And I, I felt the same way, too. And it's like, man, fuck that. We're going to have to put some commercials on. We're doing it. we got to do it. Yeah. But I was literally, even in the beginning, I was like, I don't want to put no commercials on. But now, like, no, we're going to put two in here. And it's going to be good. We're in the middle. So it's yeah. fine. But leveraging, yes, we would put our promos on and it'd be something consistent that you would hear and it'd be some bumping music. Mm-hmm. So you'd be like, oh, what's that track? And I would purposely never say what the name of the track was in a promo mm-hmm. because I want your attention. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I want you to be thinking about how can I hear that song again? What is that? If I just give you everything, then we're done. It's all, it's all in like, it's got to be in like increments, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we would put, uh, we would have, I think the, one of the best times we, we knew it for the couple and the number. We wanted to launch that together and make it show that they're all in the same world. And that's how I felt about my movie. I didn't just didn't cross it. I was going to cross all those people, mm-hmm. but it was like, we don't really have the budget or time for that. But they actually all lived in the same world. So we took the same concept and said, okay, the couple and the number live in the same world. So you may only like the couple, but you're going to hear about the number 
And maybe I do like the number, maybe you like the number. It just we just figured it out that way. So once we got to Remy Lover Friends and we we wanted to kind of bring the number back, mm-hmm. we knew that was a huge audience over there. So why would I not cross those two? Mm-hmm. You know, when we, we made that Halloween episode yeah. and we was like, Yeah, man, you know, I mean a lot of people discovered the number shortly after that, you know. Wow. That never that never heard or knew about it and then went back and you saw the numbers for the first season just go up and just went back as if it was breaking bad season one. Yeah. And yeah, just yeah. caught up and watched it. So yeah, I mean, we just know those tricks are are, are like tried and proven. It's like no it's like the game and being launched off of girlfriends. Yep. You know what I mean? And you remember that episode was just like about the game. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, five minutes of Joan and like 25 minutes of like, what? You know what I'm saying? But it worked. You know what I'm saying? Like, why? Like, we're never going to start from scratch. We're always going to leverage. So when we have a movie to be released, you gonna, it's going to go through our same networks. Yeah. Whether it's a judicial distribution with someone else or our own, but you're going to hear about it. You're going to know about it and you're going to be part of that. There's no reason to start from scratch. Charlie Perry don't start from scratch. It's like, you know, if you think about any of his movies, whether you like them or not, you you think about all of them. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, when you, you think about Tyler Perry as a whole, you know, you don't think about... Yeah. Uh, yeah. one, I mean, Medea is the big one, but even that is a, is a franchise in yeah. itself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. wow. Um, that's definitely an interesting model to think about things, uh, and I'm, I'm even getting my wheels turning with that. But uh, my stuff is a little different because it's not narrative. Um, so it kind of separates from from one another, but but it's definitely something to to think about pushing content out. But I think people. it still applies to no matter what you do, to what yeah. you do, because it's it's the brand is you, obviously. Yeah, and that's yeah. your brand, and that's what's consistent. But I think it just taking a little bit of mind twist and backing up off of it, and just thinking about these these same things can still apply. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying. It's not like you don't hit one interview into another. It's not quite like that. But there's something about leveraging, which I see you do anyways. Mm-hmm. You're building on yourself. Since I met you, with, I think it was like two years ago at this point in New York. Yeah, right? yeah. I've seen you like really like. All right, I'm gonna do. Is Jabari presents? Is Jabari something? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you're the constant. But it's like even if you're not doing narratives, it's kind of like. If I just think about your stuff, I'm like, there is ways to kind of remix your presentation and your execution. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it is about building audiences and just knowing, okay, if, I, if they like you, or they like your style. But it's like, it, it's just, it's just when you have one success, I'm not going to let that go to waste. Yeah, let yeah, that, yeah. Let that prop up the next success. Yep. You know what I mean? And and, and stick to your guns. Because even in our case, that guy, no one liked the first episode. And it took a while for me to get used to it. Like, oh, this is misogyny, what the hell, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Until now, they just love it. Like, women especially. And the number is the same. And then it was, um, Remy Lover Friends had a little moment where people were like, oh, Tamiko's so stupid. She used to do, 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 do. Until we got the episode forward and finally, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I think that's what, the same with TV shows, too. So I think in your instance, it's like, what are people doing in traditional media that are leveraging it, especially even like, you know, obviously, you know, how MTV got out of music and doing more sort of, whether it be reality shows, but more like, you know, um, documentary type stuff or, or you know, what is it called? Where is the mute? Where are they at? I forgot. Oh, where are they now? Like, uh, um, yes. Yeah. And then TV wanted a version, but I think that's what's missing. It's like, sometimes it's just feeling like you may not want to do anything that's more mainstream. Sometimes you want to say, I'm going to stick to the underground, this is what me. But it's like getting that, that, that key word or that key phrase that someone can repeat. I think that's what ties you together. Mm-hmm. It's that key word, because that was a franchise that they built on where are they now or whatever. And you knew what to expect when you watched it. And it didn't matter who you were watching half the time because mm-hmm. you were just going through the format. You know, I don't think it's any different than what is that? Um, there's like so many like uh, oh, um, I totally forgot. It, I, I lost it, but I feel like it's one of those things where you just have to oh, the language. That's what I was thinking about. Like mm-hmm. when we did collection plate, yeah, Numa yeah. came up with that, and then and then and then just came up with the phrase. Well, and, tell people what that means. Oh, the collection plate. So the collection plate was our um, sort of crowdfunding. Uh, effort our last one we did our third one and we knew it was collectively for all of our shows and we knew we could leverage all our shows and our people who like individual shows and some of them overlap and we can bring it to one pot instead of just trying to raise money for one particular show we knew we needed to emergency we needed money yeah. we definitely needed to 
pull all of our shows together and make it collective. And so we were like, what does that happen? It's like a church. Mm-hmm. It's a collection plate, pass it around. You can put money in for whatever show that made sense to you, you know, or something that you really love. And it's like, man, I'm, I want my show to get the most amount of money or whatever. And so that collection plate idea, Newman really came up with and then came up with the language and then people started repeating it. Oh, I'm, I'm going to put five on it. Uh, I'm going to put a little coin in that collection plate. It became fun. Yeah, and I think that's what it is—is is having those key phrases and, and that and that sort of so, sort of branding where people can participate and it becomes part of their lives and their language. Mm-hmm. Once you change the language, you own everything and you got it. Yeah. And I think that's what it is—whether you're asking for backing or money, or if you're asking people to watch, they become engaged when they actually start using your language or they start using what you do. So no matter if it's documentary, narratives, fiction, whatever. I think it's it's the same process. It's the language. Mm, yeah. Wow. That is that is definitely something I'm gonna let simmer and, and think about for sure. For sure. Um, I think uh, so. W- talk. Let's talk a little bit about that crowdfunding process um, because you guys have done it a few times. Three times. Three times. Okay. And so at first it was for shows, individual shows, correct? Mm-hmm. And then it was you know for Black and Sexy as a whole. Um, what were what a, so many people ask me about crowdfunding and um, I just tell people it's, it's some of the hardest stuff you'll ever do you know it's not easy to get people to to provide but uh, provide monetary support how what was the success aside from the language you know what, what were the sort of the, the things that you think made your campaign successful uh, two or three things one is just having the biggest pool possible there are people who are going to support you. Mm-hmm. You just have to reach them and more than once. So I think we spent a lot of time. We didn't really know about crowdfunding so much. It was for us until we really needed it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But we spent a lot of time building an audience, and that goes hand in hand with, with, with successful crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. If you have a fishing, you have like a swimming or, or like a fishing sort of pool or whatever where you can just throw your line in. And, and try to pull out the people who are really interested. You have to throw several lines throughout that 30-day campaign mm-hmm. in different ways. So for us, it was social media is literally 10 to 15% of our audience. So if you're only doing through social media, it's just like you're only getting 10 or 15% of your audience and then maybe 1% of those 10%. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's a numbers game. So we just knew how we could do it is by reaching the most amount of people to get a certain percentage in. So... Are, we are already distributing content, so all of our content is going to have all of our crowdfunding. Yeah. Everybody's going to know about it. Yeah. And then, if you already are there watching our stuff, you must be engaged, you must like us, so there are a certain amount of those people who are going to go ahead and, and support you know, the program. So that's the bottom line, but I think that's what a lot of people don't, don't really see, is like they just think it's through their social media but it's like you're only hitting so many people, and it's so easy to just ignore it. Yeah, and, and I mean, it gets annoying. Exactly, and if it's you're talking about ten to fifteen percent of your audience on social media. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. And then it's so you know even you you might even chop that in half with who's seeing it at yeah, the time exactly. you're posting exactly. it. Who's on it? You know, exactly. it's, it's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. So the other part is really hitting up your own family and friends. Yeah, that's absolutely. the hardest part. Asking money from people's. Yep. And but I think as you just have to do it, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. And Numa spent a lot of time doing that with her own network. Mm-hmm. And said, "This I'm going to cash in now." You know what I mean. But it wasn't so. If you're able to do that with people you know, with strangers, is no problem. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Especially if they're there because you're giving them something. And I think it's about giving. It's not about coming and taking. I think a lot of people just are there. To like, hey, this is what people do, so I'm gonna do it too. Most successful when it's not the, it's like, no, you gotta really give a Absolutely. lot, yeah. and then once you've given a lot, people remember that and want to give back because it's an emotional response. Yeah, you know, it's not intellectual. Like, just because your stuff is really good doesn't mean you're gonna give money. Sometimes things just pop and it's very viral when it happens, but mm-hmm. that's not everybody. That's that's you just taking a chance. I think when we talk about strategy. You know, that's the time where we start having real strategies and start thinking about, oh, this has to be successful. And we, and we, when we love our friends, we weren't really that successful because we learned our lessons. We, we got really gun shy mm-hmm. with it because we just came off with a couple fundraising and a few months later we're like, all right, we need money. We really can't continue to do this. We got to do this. And, 
you know, we didn't really put 100% into it. We are like, well, we're going to put it out. It's a successful show. It got more views on all of our shows. But it still took the same effort and the same, like, we're not taking no for an answer. And we didn't do all that. And we learned. We fell short of our goal. So we said, when we come back again, we're not doing that again. Mm-hmm. We're leveraging everything and we're making sure we're successful. You know, so... But crowdfunding, I know, is moving into, like, subscription. You know, like, yeah. those things are great. I don't know how well they are, but it makes it, it, it it's like, we, like we, we can continue on doing crowdfunding, but it doesn't make any sense. It's not a real sustainable model. That's what I was going to ask you. I was going to say, you know, is that the business model? And so you, you answered that, but, but then what does become the correct business model for you? Or is that something that you're figuring out? Because one thing that I've seen you guys doing uh, is recently, you know, I even, I purchased uh, the season two premiere of Hello Cupid. Mm-hmm. So watch that. And I Thank went you. to, oh, no problem. Not, not a problem. It's only $3. <laughs> um, but uh, we, and I saw you guys use VHX. I have a buddy that works over there. Oh, um, yeah, they're a good company. We're on top. Um, and they, uh, so you, you, when that, when that came out, I'm just walking people through it. Mm-hmm. Season two of a show that Black and Sexy has called um, Hello Cupid is all on YouTube. But on season two, you could see the premiere. It was like a 30-minute premiere, and you could purchase that for $3, um, and that was the only way to see it. So it was exclusive digital stream and download option. Is that something that you guys are going to be doing in the future? Is it is that a a viable business model what are you learning from this process you're never going back okay <laughs> yeah. uh, we're only going to do certain things will be under a paywall okay. for now but we're going to do at least one a month one paywall one one paywall pay-per-view event whatever our gotcha. language will finally be will be each month because that was a very successful venture yeah it it not everybody saw it that normally would have saw it, but it didn't yeah. matter anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> like it's like oh, not that many people seen it like normally, but it's like to be having these big views and like people patting you on the back. It doesn't. It just doesn't that is satisfying anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to make money, and you have to it has to make sense. Absolutely. So that made a lot of sense with making that move. We weren't really sure if people were going to leave YouTube to go and take a look, but looking at our numbers. There is no problem. Everybody went to take a look. Mm-hmm. It didn't, everybody went to go say, I'm receiving. I think our biggest mistake was we didn't really put a lot of time. We were so up against the gun just trying to get it done. Yeah. And Remy Love and Friends and Yellow. We had like a triple release weekend. That was yeah. the dumbest thing we ever done. It was just like too many things <laughs> yeah, happening yeah, yeah. at one time. But I knew I wanted to do that because they were going to leverage eyes back on that on yeah. that cell yeah. so I knew all of our free stuff is going to be talking about this yeah. but we didn't plan it very well but we got it out but the thing is we could have had better marketing better trailer that's what makes it sense but it is a viable business and it took us you can't just do it right off the bat you have you to have be to there for a while yeah. and build a goodwill yeah. and build the value of your stuff so people will buy into it no different than HBO mm-hmm. you know what I mean you, a lot of people won't even, I don't even have HBO but I heard it's heard is good. You know what I mean? All that that is there and people pay for it. And HBO has so much smaller numbers in the big network, but these people are paying for it. Yeah. So that's that's the business model we learned. It's like people will pay for it and we're going to go. We're gonna do once a month and we are gonna go on subscriptions and, yeah. and eventually we'll be behind a paywall, period, like like Netflix or HBO. Yeah. That's what's gonna happen. That's the, that's but it's the, a transition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? It's funny, man, uh, you know, recently the HBO uh, the CEO of HBO uh, was mm-hmm. on a panel and he was asked about people subscribing to HBO Go mm-hmm. and uh, he was like, you know, there's there's such a big issue, I guess, with people taking other people's HBO Go passwords mm-hmm. and all that and the interviewer was like, do you care about that? And he was like, no, not at all. We, we are in the business of making addicts out of people. Yeah. We want to make yeah. video addicts yeah. so we yeah. don't really care that people are... You know, <laughs> it's like it's like if you're bootleg, whether it be music or film, if someone bootleg, I mean somebody wants it. Yeah, and that's yeah. a great thing, and it's yeah. true. Someone bootleg Hello Cupid put it on YouTube. Oh wow! Yeah, so I was like, okay, you know, I mean, wasn't yeah. that? Did you guys hard. get it taken down? Oh yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got that ticket yeah. down. Yeah. yeah, definitely taken care of. But um, but I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a stamp of approval, you know? Yeah, definitely. And people, were, it was sneaking around. The link was going around. Mm-hmm. I was like, are we going to take care of this right yeah. now? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you want people to 
value your stuff by stealing it. That's mm-hmm. really is. I think it's not like it's just a part of the business for people. Like those people aren't gonna pay anyways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Exactly. So it ain't that serious. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, unless it's running rapid. But um, damn, I'm telling you, VHX is great. Yeah, yeah. There's other options. YouTube is starting to throw down different tool- toolboxes, and we actually been talking to them. They're just not fast enough right now. Yeah. What we want to do, but and then they got that big cut. You know, we got to really figure yeah, out if yeah, that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd say right now, they're, they are trying to stem the exodus. A lot of people are just going off of YouTube and making money off yeah. of YouTube. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the, the, the problem, it's, 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 it's interesting, man, because like what I like to do in terms of my marketing and, and keeping people online is I want to I make it as easy as possible for people to get stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like when you, when you have this huge audience on YouTube, now you got to move them to VHX. It's just, you know, when you think of the average person on a computer, it's like some people is like, oh, yeah, it's one click away or whatever. But a lot of people are like, oh, that's off YouTube. I'm not doing it. You know what I mean? But you know what? I was feeling the same way and I was scared. But Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what hella cute. But I guess if you have a built-in demand, they're going to want to go see where it is. Yeah. If you're starting from scratch, then yeah, you're taking one more click. It's it's not, you know what I'm saying? So that's how you have to leverage it. You have to think about you know, even VHX says that give away a lot of stuff for free. Yeah, and then sometimes people will buy it just to own it a certain way, or you give them that special thing after you give them all this, yeah. and you get that flow going. We had no problem. Everybody clicked. Like the numbers we have of the people who just landed on the page, the page visits, yeah. are the same as a huge success on YouTube. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. if you saw oh such and such views in one week. It was like, oh, that was success. It was just we were able to pull a certain amount of those views into paying viewers. Yeah, yeah. That's the difference. So they didn't get to see it, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. in their mind, some people are going today or already going, damn, is that going to YouTube yet? I don't know. Maybe go watch it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and like, honestly, I, of course, you want 100% of people who want to see it to pay for it, and you'd be a rich person, yeah. rich man. But that's not what it's about. You know what I'm saying? The same thing with HBO. A lot of people have never seen, never, don't even have HBO 100% or at all, but they're still supporting HBO by talking about it or HBO will put the first one on YouTube. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And try to get people hooked. But it's like, that's not what it's about. It's the people that want to pay is what it's about. Yeah. It's not about these big numbers anymore because HBO is way behind ABC. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But, but HBO is not broke. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying HBC is broke. It's just a different business. You know what I mean? And I think that's just what it is. Like now, it's like, you really, if you build that demand, trust me, those people will go. I couldn't tell you that a couple of weeks ago before. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm telling you now, it, no, it works. They're fine. Yeah, yeah. They will. You know what I'm saying? And but the one thing is like, we're trying to figure out now is like, we're going to do, that guy is actually going to be, the season finale is going to be under a paywall. Okay. So, that's exclusive. Yeah. But, you know, but basically, okay. We figured there's a more of an emotional, you know, like investment in watching the whole season. Yeah. Fuck, I want to see this last one. You oh, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. So we're wondering what the conversion rate will be on that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. We'll see. But when we know, then we know we got it. But I guess my point is that we want us to not have another like that guy dot vhx or that guy series dot com. Mm-hmm. It's just like too many places you're going. Yeah, we want to start centralizing. Yeah, we're trying to figure out that centralized place where our premium content, you know where to go, blackandsexy.tv slash whatever. Premium, yeah. Yeah, exactly. you know, you always go there and you always know there's something there for sale because eventually we're going to be selling something every week. Yeah. And then it makes more sense to get a subscription if you want to yeah. be part of that. But, but it's like, not everybody wants to commit like that. So yeah. people may just want to, I just want to see that. That's cool. Whatever you want to do. You want to give your money like that, it's fine. If you want to give your money a subscription, that's great too. Just give your money. That's yeah. really, you want to give people options to give money. And, and that's what we, we have a consultant who's been teaching and telling us these things from the, before we even started Black and Sexy. He got us over a lot of our fears or like, you know, just this like, like we didn't know like how people react and he understands people's behavior how people be- react online and he basically says and once people start giving you money you don't just stop with one thing they want to keep giving you money it's mm-hmm. like they want to buy into what you're doing yeah it's easier to and it's and even VHX says this it's like don't charge under five dollars for us it didn't make sense but if, like if someone's going to pay three dollars you might as well charge them five mm-hmm. you know and it's, it's the same money, I thought, I thought that it was people. it was it was too cheap Honestly, I you thought did. you guys should have but, but, charged $5. But why did you think it was so cheap? 
I thought it was I just I was like this is this is in a half an hour and it just it just felt like it was worth more than that. But it, but it's not that you, it's really not our our business model is different than like you know a bigger firm and how you know how Amazon was selling episode for two yeah, three dollars yeah. uh-huh. or even a movie for a dollar because they're much more subsidized. It's, it's it's a bigger scale. Yeah. Of course they can do that. We're mom and pop shop. You know it's about you pay more for the service and the special specialty of it. So we were in the middle. We weren't really sure, mm-hmm. but we definitely didn't eat up more in fees by charging less because it's the same fees no matter what. <laughs> you know what I mean? So in our heads, we were like, oh, yeah, we would have charged more. But it was like, we don't know. It didn't really matter yeah. because we yeah. have to, you have to convert a certain amount of people at the same time, not lose too many people yeah. and have it make somewhat sense to them. And I think $3 is in the middle, but maybe we're wrong. Maybe we could have charged more. But the bottom line is we want repeat customers. Mm-hmm. So we're saying we can do that at this level and check it out. But some people who are, are complaining who said, oh, man, I can get a whole movie for a dollar on, on uh, um, you know, Redbox. People were complaining. On, a lot of people complain. I won't say saying a lot. Saying it was too much. Wow. Leaving comments. who are saying, oh, man, it's only a dollar. You know, you get a whole movie. You only give me 30 minutes. So Those people like, can go... F themselves, and but, exa- <laughs> but it wouldn't want to give you money anyways. Yeah, it could exactly. have been a dollar, and they still might have done it. They, yeah, you know what I'm saying? exactly. So you, what you're saying is true. Is like you can't go too cheap because some people just don't matter how cheap it is. If it's not free, ninety nine, they yeah. don't really give you money, and you have to. But but I think right now we feel comfortable with three dollars, but we really feel more comfortable with five dollars a month. Yeah, like to have five dollars a month reoccurring because to this day I've, I've subscribed to something on YouTube for my daughter and we don't even watch it. They're still charging me. <laughs> it's like you you forget about it, you know, and it yeah. is what it is. But that's where we want to be. It's not really about charging per episode. We wanted to make it cheaper to actually pay pay get a subscription. Yeah. And but but our issue is keeping up with the demand. Like once you start down that path and you're doing a subscription, then people's expectations get a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. And they also, we just have to deliver in a certain way. So yep. our growing pains right now is really about, there's only so many of us in our creative brain, uh, brain trust that we're, more people are coming in and we're trying to figure out how to replace ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it can become a business. So eventually we are releasing content daily, Yeah. number one. And we do have a full-fledged subscription service that's happening that that sustains the whole operation yeah man it sounds like you know you you're a creative individual and you're a filmmaker but it sounds like you're such a businessman you i know, think right? i've always been an entrepreneur i think yeah. I've, I've never worked in hollywood mm-hmm. i never like been a pa i've never you don't have, haven't had the traditional yeah i haven't and, I, and my first real job i was still in college it was on this the first web series it's called the spot and it was all text and real video beta and okay. real audio. No, it wasn't even real video. This time. It was just real audio beta. Real video came a couple years ago. And I was a, a writer. And oh, they let me be a writer. I was actually writing emails because people thought the characters were real. And I was writing as a character. So I got my taste early on of, of an alternate way to do entertainment. Yeah. And I was in college. And then so after that... Um, and the creator to that is kind of Scott Zacharin. We're still friends now, and he's still doing his his thing and looking at alternate ways of, of making content online. But I think that's just it. It's like you have to find your niche. And as a filmmaker, independent, that's what that's what the problem with a lot of us is. We just want to make films, yeah. but it's like you have to be a marketer, a promoter. You got to do all those things. And I think I had a natural affinity for being in control and owning my own business. I was always a rebel and always anti-Hollywood in some degree. I never really got into that. Mm-hmm. So this was a natural fit. It was like a wild, wild west. Like you can just take your claim, put your six shooters up, yep. and protect your territory and put your shit out and sell your shit. And that's what it was. I was like, this is great. This is perfect. Yeah. And sensibility-wise, it works online. We're more realistic. It made more sense. So I don't think I'm in a business person naturally. I just... I just, well, I think I am. I think I have the, the, the thoughts about it and I have a lot of love for it, but I don't have, that's not what I started off doing. I didn't say, how can I be in business and then be a filmmaker? I definitely was a filmmaker first, but just being an entrepreneur or being, or thinking about being innovative, you have to be in business. Yes. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You yeah. have to think about the business side a little bit more without letting it curtail your, your creativity, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and so speaking of business, mm-hmm. one huge business opportunity that you guys have recently gotten is this uh, HBO 
development deal, yes. correct? Yes. Uh, how did that come about? And first of all, congratulations on it. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Uh, and yeah, and, and what is the, as much as you can talk about as mm-hmm. possible, uh, just give me the scoop. Uh, it came about because we, you know, just like all of us on YouTube, we put our stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And it's accessible to everyone. And I guess the, the creative exec at HBO just ran this, she said it popped up as a suggested video on YouTube. So we'll thank YouTube. Okay. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And, what and, video, and what series was this? So the couple. Know. I'm sorry. Yes, this was the couple. Mm-hmm. So she just ran into it and watched one, became addicted, watched another, another, and was like, what the hell? So she reached out to us, and we didn't have any representation at the time. Mm-hmm. She just reached out, and she was like, I don't know how to get a hold of these people. So she found me with phone number online somehow. <laughs> that, and is she, that supposed to be online? Or? I was, you know, I think she probably had it on a website or okay. something, but I don't know why she does that. I have no idea. <laughs> but anyway, the few people had. Well, it's a good thing. It was, it was yeah. a good thing, and then she reached out to me on Facebook. Okay. You know, and she was like, "Okay, it's not really how it's supposed to go, but do you guys have any representation?" And so we just got representation real quick, you know, what I'm yeah. <laughs> and we got somebody on to help us administrate this deal. And but the problem was we needed a like. Uh, you have to have a, a, a partner, mm. you know, you have to have like someone established to sort of, you know, to, to, what do you call it? Um, to lend credit to the production. Okay. We're, we're newbies, you know, so we were searching for that partner. Um, is this, this is like a showrunner or something like that? Not is quite that a showrunner. It's, you know, it's just the, how the TV business works. They just, you just, it's like Judd Apatow and, and Lena and Dunham. Dunham. Yeah. It's like, I'm sure he was creatively instrumental but that's what helped sell the show because you, he's attached to it. So, oh, I want to watch this. What's going on? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's really just lending credibility, you know, or, or that's not really the right word. The right word is more like, I don't know the exact word, but you're just giving, you're giving it a little boost, a little, a little yeah, shine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm so, dealing with that with my film right now and it's annoying. But, yeah, it's part but, of it. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it was annoying at the time. It definitely was. And we were just going through Rolodex and really trying to reach out to certain people and look through our contacts. But it just so happened that um, Numa ran into Spike Lee at ABFF. Mm-hmm. And then he started his Kickstarter and he definitely got in over his head. And Numa really just reached out on Twitter and it was as simple as that. Since yeah. they've already met, she felt fine talking to him on Twitter. People kept retweeting. He kicked out these tweets. It was like, oh shit, something's happening in this campaign. He reached out to her. The relationship began. Yep. She went to New York, helped with the rest of the campaign. Campaign was in the middle of that campaign. They talked, and she, he was like, hey, he, he discovered Black and Sick TV. He was like, oh, what's everything you guys are doing? We brought him in and sat on a live show. He didn't understand all this was going on or understand YouTube. And it was like, it, 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 in him, it created a sort of like the same independent spirit he had, you know, back in the 80s of like, this is where it's happening, it's, it's on YouTube. Yeah. So, he just asked, hey, are you guys interested in TV? We said, well, it just so happened we're in talks right now. And he was like, oh, well, they love me at HBO, and then they had a meeting, and I was, I was already back in LA by the time they had the meeting. It was Numa, him, and the creative exec, and a couple people, and he was like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll come on, man. I definitely want to work with you guys, and that's... That's how the deal was finally sealed. Wow. And then we just moved forward from there. Wow. So uh, Spike Lee is on board. So what is the, I guess, what's the process that you guys are at now? What is the stage? We're still in development, so we're just writing okay. right now. So we're just we're basically writing the pilot for the series. And I know a bunch of your fans, me included, are going to wonder, yeah. uh, you know, this is something that was probably three to four minutes on YouTube each episode. Mm-hmm. How does the, how is that going to translate or be different now that it's being written for television? Well, it's something we're learning now because I think we've really perfected just understanding whether it's three or four minutes or ten minutes or seven, how to work within our means and our resources and to work a show or an episode based on psychological things and sensuality and things that are happening in the moments. It's got to be different on TV. It's got to be more like we would we would work the hell out of two people talking in a room. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. we can't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. So we have, we're unlearning that. And ex- what they always they kept saying, you got to expand the world. You got to expand the world. Like you have the energy there, but it has to. You have to you have to introduce 
a host of characters and you have to keep moving. You have the money to spend. They're going yeah. to spend millions. So like, don't, there's no limit. Yeah. So yeah. we're so much about limiting and not because we're like, oh, we can't wish we could do more. We just always look at what we have and work the hell out of that, yeah. make it work. So now that's what the difference will be. It's going to be 30 minutes. Okay. And it has to be, it just has to be more, the world has to be more expanded, got to be more characters. It has to be more scenes and things got to keep moving. So what we would normally do, we, we made a 30 minute episode on YouTube. That would just, that 30 minutes would be condensed to maybe 10 minutes and that would be the first 10 minutes. On, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just got to just move a lot quicker. Yeah. So, and it's also HBO, it's going to be a little bit more edgier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we're, we're figuring that out right now. We're still like in the writing phase and we're still getting notes and we're still just sort of working through that part. Wow, okay. And um, so yeah, I, yeah, it's probably too early to see, well, it's about any potential date or anything like that. It's just- Oh no, it's too early. Yeah, okay. too early. It's get, we got a big, long process and, and HBO is slow. Yeah. <laughs> they, they say we're slow, we don't rush anything. And that's true. When they talk about signing someone now, they're only thinking two years now. Yeah, yeah. They're not thinking, oh, shit, let's get this up as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Because you even look at all the deals from Lena Dunham, uh, you know, some other people I can't mention, you probably know who they are, but it's like, yeah. it's, been, it's been a year. Yeah. Or yeah. 18 months. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they, yeah, it's just, it's just, they slow. So for us, it's like, it's cool, whatever. Because we have so much other things going on, we're not even focused on that. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. we're focused when we need to be focused. But it's not like, oh, shoot, uh -huh. I just got to go. It's like, <laughs> we're busy. Yeah. And we stay busy and we like that. And that's, that's the best way. So when you look up with a pleasant surprise, oh, you guys are ready? Oh, great. You yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And that's how it's got to be. So we're not going to abandon online. We're going to keep moving. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We're going to keep moving. And all this stuff with HPO is like a great opportunity. And it brings more shine to us and a lot of stuff. But it's like, it's just a piece of the puzzle. Yep. You know what I mean? And so what can people look forward to uh, from Black and Sexy, I guess, over the next six months? Um, Hello Cupid, Remy Lover Friends. Uh, we're going to do a spinoff of that guy. That's exclusive too. We're okay. going to do a spinoff of Nia, actually, and her and, son. Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, so that's Judah's uh, yeah. baby mom. Yeah, and you're going to get to see more of her. And her son is actually my son. Oh, okay. So okay. I'll be able to work with my son. I'm probably going to end up directing and heading that up. And I'll wow, be able to work with my fun. son. But he was also in The Good Day to Be Black and Sexy, too. He was okay. a little boy. So this is a kind of a, in a, I guess, a sort of a 360 for us. And we also have more opportunity to spend money. Because we're definitely going to be ramping that up. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Subscriptions so, are definitely coming down the path by this summer. Higher production value. Higher production value. Longer episodes. Mm -hmm. Um and movies like we we're, we're figuring out the couple movie like in in un, for real we just it's a problem you yeah, can't do both because of the show now yeah exactly. so we can't yeah. do both it's looking like it's not gonna happen so we're looking at a replacement movie now that oh, we could just do maybe uh, the number movie <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do the number movie which we kind of have half written it was going to be the wedding. Okay. But we all, but it's like it, it depends. I don't know. Like the people that contributed to the couple, I think you're included. Mm -hmm. Does everybody like the number? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. A, so, so we're thinking yeah. about putting it to a vote. Mm -hmm. You know, like hey, you know what, guys, you want to participate? Keep your money in this. What do you want us to do? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, majority wins. You know, we had a, a Remy Lover Friends movie on that. We have like another movie that's really black and sensibility but has nothing to do with any of our current content. Mm -hmm. Because a black and sexy brand, we want to go transmedia, not just TV, we want to go more back into film, which is exactly what the couple was supposed to be. Yep. So that's a possibility too. It's a movie I've been wanting to do for a very long time. I know it has a lot of energy on it. It could be that movie. But we're gonna move on something soon. Got it. Okay. And, and then we're gonna pay ourselves most likely like if in, in all it, it depends on what happens. You, you kind of go for where the opportunities are, but yeah. we may... It's very easy for us to put it on our own network as a pay-per-view. And distribute it yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then it may sell some more later on. That's fine, but yeah. we're going to pay ourselves first. Yeah. You know, and make it exclusive to our own fans yeah. first. And, and 
really acquire other content. That's just kind of like the precursor, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that to us makes Which is, sense. I mean, this is the same model as the HBOs yeah. and the networks. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's the same thing on an independent, smaller level, but yeah. who knows where this can go, I, you know, and I think it can be big. Um, yeah, so, I mean, with that being said, man, thank you so much for, for jumping on this podcast. Oh, Thanks. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, let people know where they can find out about Black and Sexy if some of these people might not have seen any of the shows yes. tell them where to go watch well it's not porn yeah. so <laughs> just in case you're wondering <laughs> uh, but blackandsexy.tv is our website you can find out everything about us and youtube.com slash blackandsexytv is where all our free content is there's two and a quarter years worth of content there and that's you know, that's there for you to peruse and make your own decision on what you want to do from there. Absolutely. And um, you guys go out, support, check it out. Um, and just just think about supporting the people that you like. You know, the people that you, you like online, that you enjoy their content, if they're putting stuff out for free. Just, you know, always support in ways other than just, you know, sharing, retweeting, watching. It's very important for us independent content creators to be, uh, you know, Giving, giving financial support as well because none of this stuff is free. None of it. At all. None so, uh, you know, we do it for the love and, um, and, and we love you guys watching, listening, sharing. And, and this has been a, another episode of Words with Friends. Again, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. I go by the name of Jabari. Check the podcast out on iTunes. Give it a good rating. Uh, subscribe on SoundCloud. Subscribe on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Jabari. Um, soundcloud.com slash Jabari. Thank you guys so much. All right. Peace.